Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. I should say good morning again. I came out a little bit earlier. It's good to have you here with us today on this uh, this uh, longer weekend, Memorial Weekend. And um, <clears throat> just a reminder that uh, if you're part of the life of Nehemiah, uh, ladies, you'll be meeting on Tuesday this week, not tomorrow because of the holiday. We want to keep pace. So uh, we're going to have the men's and the women's here on Tuesday, men on one side, women on the other. We're going to do it like in Jerusalem, the Western Wall, keep it spacious like that. Or, or something like that, I don't know. Anyway, my name's Jim Del Campo. Good to have you with us. If you're watching me from home or some of you watch from another state, I know you've moved away, but you still watch. Uh, why you're watching me, I, don't, I know why you're watching me, because you like me. But anyway, uh, and the rest of us here, uh, thanks for coming out today and uh, being a part of this. We're going to talk today on, <clears throat> in our current series, this is the second week, and I know I told you that uh, I was only going to do three weeks well, you know, the Holy Spirit has a habit of changing things up on me, and so I'm going to do five weeks on this series after all. And in the middle of it will be a Father's Day message, um, so that'll be like the sixth week of it. So today we're going to talk on decisions have tomorrows. And once again, I want you to repeat out loud after me. Here we go. I am the result of all the decisions I've made in my life. Let's try it again. I am the result of all the decisions I've made in my life. That's right. We are that result of all decisions. We cannot blame anyone. We cannot play the victim like poor me. No, we made the decision. I was reading once that uh, in our physical body, what they're made up of, of is about 30 trillion cells. And so on a cellular level, there's 30 trillion parts of just our physical body. And I thought, well, that's interesting because that's the same thing in our life. Our life is made up of thousands of decisions that we've made over our lifetime. Amen? And therefore, decisions, they absolutely have tomorrows. Now, in this room, online, uh, we know the positives and the negatives of decisions. Based on the decisions we've made, some of us are living blessed finances. Some of us are trying to catch up from bad decisions financially. We also, some of us, are living in blessed relationships. Some of us are recovering from a bad relationship from a bad decision. Uh, some of us are also living um, probably somewhat healthy as we get older. Health, thank God. And some of us maybe were suffering uh, because we were warned a long time ago, don't eat, don't keep eating that, don't keep doing that, or start exercise, do something. So we're suffering from the decision or lack of decision to do the things we need to do on a health perspective, correct? You see, all decisions have tomorrows. I told you last week, and I just love the phrase, if I, if I make a wrong turn while driving, I, I lose 5, 15 minutes. But if I make a wrong turn in life, I can lose 5, 10, 15 years, right? And so decisions are very important. And we've got to think through our decisions. And last week, 
we just started off looking at uh, better decisions in our life. And today we're going to do the same. Now, hold the thought. Let's look at our key verse for the series. And I'm going to have you read it out loud with me. I'm going to count to three. Here we go. One, two, three. The sees evil and hides himself. But the naive go on and are punished for it. Now, just to re reframe it again, when it talks about the prudent, the prudent is the person that is, uh, well, they're sensible. They're shrewd in a good sense. So the prudent, they look at situations and decisions and they look down the road. And if they see it's going to be a bad decision down now that will lead to something bad down the road, they don't go down that way because they're very sensible, they're wise. But it says the naive. Now the naive, that, remember that, what, what that word meant? Man, you can be talked into anything. And you can be led this way, you can be led that way. And it says they, the naive, they look down the road too, but they just keep going on. It's just another bad decision that they're going to get talked into and they're going to be punished for it. Now, that word punished, we're going to bring it all the way back. I won't define it now. We'll bring it back to the very end of this message because that's a very important word when it comes to making decisions if or, because today's decisions are tomorrow's stories. The decisions have tomorrows. So let's, let's jump to our, our phrase for the series, our tagline. It says, today's decisions affect tomorrow's situations. Say that with me. Today's do one more time. Those of you at home, I, I didn't hear you at all. Let's try one more time. Here we go. Today's decisions affect tomorrow's situations. Oh, good. I think I heard you that time. Now, if you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to open up uh, to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we're going to look at a story uh, involving John the Baptist, a man by the name of Herod. This is Herod Antipas. And we're gonna, I'm going to read the first five verses as a way of build-up, if you've never, ever um, read the story, heard the story, new to church, forgot the story, um, we're going to go through it. It's going to be a lot of fun, but we're going to pull out these, these truths about how decisions have tomorrow. Because this guy makes some bad decisions. One in particular that's going to really affect him. So let me read five verses, and, uh, and, then, and I'll comment as I go, and then we'll get into our three points today, then we'll drive the third one home, because our third point is the big point. Here we go. Uh, chapter 14, verse 1, and it says, <clears throat> At that time, Herod the Tetrarch, Tetrarch just means a ruler over a fourth. This Herod is Antipas. He is the, he is the son of of Herod who tried to kill Jesus when Jesus was just a, a toddler. He heard the news about Jesus. Now he's got wind about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now he hears about Jesus and he thinks, this has got to be John the Baptist come back from the dead. Now, now we understand something. John the Baptist is dead at this moment. The story we're going to read tells us how John the Baptist was murdered, how he was executed. So, verse 3. For when Herod had John arrested, he bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. Now, 
he has, um, so you understand what kind of a culprit this guy Herod is. He actually steals and stole his brother's wife. He took his brother's wife, got rid of his wife, and got, took his brother's wife, and now he's, he's married to her. And so it's kind of a weird situation. He takes John, and he throws John um, in prison because John's preaching against him. And, and if you remember, you were going to make sure you walked up to that prison where John the Baptist was kept on the Jordan. We went there two years ago. Do you remember that? And you went up there. It was like, you're going to go up there. He said, I'm not going to miss anything. So we've been to that prison. It's in Jordan. It was on our last Israel trip, but we, we traveled into Jordan also. Uh, there's just remnants of that place left. Verse 4, For John had been saying to him, Here's what John was preaching to Herod about Herod taking his brother's wife. It's not lawful for you to have her. How many know that's pretty bold, right? He's telling this guy with authority and this guy with power, you're in sin. Now, people don't like to hear that today, especially people in authority. Although Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd because they regarded John as a prophet. He wants to kill him, but he's afraid of what the crowd's going to say because the people look at John as a prophet. And so here's where now we look at the story on how John the Baptist loses his life at the hands of Herod. So three points. First point is this one. When it comes to decision making, don't get caught up in the emotions of the moment. Don't get caught up in the emotions of the moment. Now, I talked about emotions last week in decision making, but I'm going to take it from a different angle today. All right? Verse 6 and 7 say this. But when Herod's um, birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. So much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Okay. <clears throat> Repeat out loud with me. Emotions are great. Okay, all together. Emotions are great. But they are not great decision makers. Okay, now I want to look at emotions when it comes to decision making from a, a, a different perspective than last week. There's a party happening in the story, is there not? It's Herod's birthday. There is no doubt that alcohol is flowing that day. With that said, there's no doubt that inhibitions are loosening, correct? We've all seen that in family gatherings. We've seen it at company parties. Not only is that happening, now we find that his stepdaughter, who's not a little girl, she's a young woman, now she's dancing before him in a very sexual manner. That's his stepdaughter. He says, you dance for me, and I'll give you whatever you want, up to half my kingdom. How many of you know that sexual lust has no brains? Any amens on that? Any louder amens on that? Now, the word lust simply means strong desire. In and of itself, it's a great word, strong desire. But this is sexual lust. It is sexual strong desire. 
Now, let me sidebar, come back, because there's a lot of things I would love to say about this, but we're staying within the context of decisions, specifically point one, the emotions. But let me sidebar. She is dancing seductively before him. Some people write that she's doing the scarf dance, where she's pulling off one scarf at a time. So she is what's, uh, she is doing what the New Testament calls lasciviousness that's a word it's a New Testament word you'll find in Galatians chapter 5 under the sins of the flesh lasciviousness literally is the idea of you are inciting lust in another person in a way that they can never ever satisfy that in a godly manner now let me just tell you honestly what that means it means that ladies, you got to watch the way you dress. Any amens? You got to be careful with that. You can't dress in all these revealing things. And I had a lady tell me one time, well, men just need to not look. And I want to just say, you know, shut up, okay? I understand that. We all get that. There's two sides of the story. Don't look, but the other side is, would you not dress that way? Because man, it just incites lust. And this is a sexual charge uh, culture that we live in, correct? And that's a word that God has. It's, it's called lasciviousness. It's a sin to incite you know, that sexual lust in another person. Now, <clears throat> can I sidebar again? Good, because I was going to do it anyway. This has nothing to do with the context of decision. Well, maybe it does. And for if you're watching this today, you're here today, or maybe you're going to watch it down the road, if it only reaches one person, what I'm going to say in these next minutes, just please listen. Um, you're talking to that man at work who's married, and you're just, you know, you're getting closer and closer. He's married. You might be married too, or you might be single. You might be divorced and single. And pretty soon he, he starts to say things like, oh yeah, my, my wife and I, we're, you know, we live in the same house, but we're not really closer together anymore. And he starts feeding you the lines. And pretty soon he's going to tell you things like, it's so good talking to you. Gosh, it's such a breath of fresh air. If, and then he's going to say, oh, if only I had met you. Watch out for that line. If only I had met you. And what he's doing is, he's reeling you in. He's reeling you in. And then pretty soon, you're in this affair with this married man. You might be married, maybe you're not married. Now let me tell you something about that. Because somebody says, ah, look, I'm older now. Okay? I'm on Medicare. I got a few ideas about life, all right? <laughs> you know. You know, I went last night to see the Herman's Hermits. I was the youngest guy there. Gotcha, okay? Some of you don't even know who the Herman's Hermits are, huh? How many know who the Herman's Hermits are? Praise the Lord, my crowd's right here, okay. Um, but I was a young guy there, amen. Um, but here's the deal. Listen, listen to the word of the Lord. This is from the Bible. Herod, did he leave his wife to steal his brother's wife? I already told you that happened. Say yes. Okay, let me try again. Did he leave his wife to get someone else's wife? 
Okay, so the whole thing played out there. Now he's got somebody else's wife. Now, so he discarded his wife, traded his wife in for the latest model, right? Well, now he's got the new wife, the latest model's daughter who's a young woman, and now he's not infatuated with his wife anymore. He's infatuated with? Oh. So the dog moves from woman to woman. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Somebody in here needs to hear the word of the Lord because you're going down the wrong road. That guy, if he's going to discard his wife for you and you're the latest model, guess what? In a little bit of time, you won't be the latest model anymore. You say, oh, that's not going to happen. Oh, shut up, okay? <laughs> it does happen. It happens so much, and we find it in the story. So you got to be real careful with stuff like that. you got to back off. You can't move into situations like that because you're just going to get hurt again and again and again and then hurt people in a family, right? Okay, now i got to come back to the story because I, that's real juicy, I know, but i got to get back to decision-making. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the conditions. This is what I'm talking about in emotions this week, decision-making. Do the conditions matter with our emotions in decision-making? You better say yes. Because this guy, it's his birthday. Da, 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 da. They say it's your... Praise the Lord. Anyway. Okay, so uh, that's a Beatles song. But anyway, um, so it's his birthday. Uh, the drinks are flowing. Uh, inhibitions are lowering. He's got a young girl dancing sexually air. Question, are his emotions aroused? Are they aroused because of the conditions he's in? You better believe it. Do conditions matter when it comes to our emotions and decision making? Yes. Hey, absolutely they do. Look, I told you last week, don't blame the salesman. They're just doing their job. But why do they want you to sit in the new car and take a test drive? In that car you can't afford. That you know you shouldn't get the payments on. Why do they want to do that? Because you get in there and go, oh, I love that new car smell. <laughs> Am I right? You take a test drive, oh, it rides so much better than my car. Because now the conditions are playing into the emotions, are they not? But here's the problem with emotions. Emotions live in the now, right? Right? They don't live in the tomorrow. There are new emotions in the tomorrow. The emotions that got you into that bad decision, gone. And now tomorrow, new emotions called regret. Right? No. <clears throat> what does this guy do? What stupid decision does he make from what we read in this emotionally charged situation? He makes a commitment. I'll give you half my kingdom. I'll commit. Where do I sign? Where's the contract? Am I right? He signs a contract. He's signing up, man. Forget it. I'm not going to think, you know, sexual lust in this case has no brains. I'll sign right now. And he makes a commitment. We've got to watch out for the commitments that we make. Now, <clears throat> as a Christian, and, and if you're not a Christian, then, then, then hopefully you'll be coming before today's over. As, as, now, I have a question because I don't know if they still do. Do they still have the caboose at the end of a train? On the, do they still have that? They don't, do they? I've noticed there's no more caboose. That really infuriates... No, it doesn't infuriate me. But 
but let's pretend they still do. Now, when I was growing up, you come to railroad tracks and you'd sit there for the rest of your life waiting. And um, now, did you ever, ever in your life, as that railroad, as all the cars are going by, that train's going by, have you ever seen all the cars being pulled by the caboose? Anyone ever see that? And the answer is, survey says, no. It's always pulled by the engine. That's right. When, as a born-again follower of Christ, in my decision-making, in anything I do, I'm to be pulled by the engine, which is the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The caboose is my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions that do not always line up with the Word of God, correct? And so I need to always make sure that I'm being led by God's Spirit, meaning God's Word. See, I know Proverbs says that the borrower becomes the debtor, uh, the, the borrower becomes the lender's slave. I don't want to go down those roads. I don't want to follow those paths. God's warning me. Jesus said, before you make a decision to start doing something, make sure you have enough to finish what you start. I know what that says. So I got to watch, watch what I do in my life. I'm led by the Spirit instead of my flesh. Does that make sense? Always be careful when it comes to decision making about all the emotional circumstances that surround it because boy, Adam and Eve got wound up in emotional circumstances. Boy, that fruit looks good. It's a delight to the eyes. Her emotions are aroused. I'm going to get that fruit. And boom, here we are as fallen sinners, right? Watch out. That's all I'm saying. Now, the second thing in the story is this. Pay attention to your internal struggles. Now, we talked about the two voices last week in our head, but I'm going to take you a little further on this story right here. Watch, Watch verse 8 and 9. Keep in mind, this is about making decisions because today's decisions are tomorrow's ramifications. Verse 8 and 9. Having been prompted, remember, he just promised, I'll give you whatever you want if they have my kingdom. Having been prompted by her mother, who's the instigator behind the scenes? Her mother. Oh, what a crooked family, huh? She said, here's what the girl says to Herod, give me, because she's just danced, here's what she wants, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. Although he was grieved. Oh, see, there's new emotions, right? The old emotions are replaced by new emotions of regret. Bad decision. Although he was grieved, the king commanded it to be given to his to because of his oaths and because of his dinner guests. Is that a whack family or what? Daughter, go dance before him. Do the scarf dance. He's over there all, you know, I'll give you half my kingdom. She's done. Hey, go tell him you want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Can you imagine? Here, Mom, here's your present. You know, it's crazy. Now, I want you to think about this. It's interesting to me. And you know, I never saw this until I studied this message for this story. And I've read this, taught this text so many times in my life but it said in verse 9 we just read that he kills John 
Well, we know he didn't, he wanted to kill John before. We know that. That's what it said, but he did. But he kills John in verse 9 because he's afraid of his, what his dinner guests think, right? Remember that? Did you read that? Did you read that? Now, pay attention to that. Look back at verse 5 in your Bibles. Although Herod wanted to put him to death, put John to death, he feared the, the crowd because they regarded John as a prophet. Oh. He wants to kill him, and then he doesn't want to kill him. Because first he wants to kill him, but he does, and then he finds out that he's got to kill him, and he's grieved. Is that a struggle? Question, is that an internal struggle? Now he's got an internal struggle going, but here's what's wild. When he wanted to kill him, he doesn't kill him because he fears what the crowd will think. Now that he doesn't want to kill him, he goes through it because he fears what his guests, the crowd, will think. You catch that? Did you catch that? In both cases, he has a fear of what people will think. That's an internal struggle based on outward circumstances again. So, let me talk to young people. Young person, listen to me. Look, we're older. We lived through peer pressure growing up. But my opinion, I think you have, you have it so much worse. I think there's so much peer pressure coming at you, young person. It's coming at you from not just the friends at school, but now social media. That's why you got to protect your kids from social media. A reason why. They, 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 they should not be on there until they're old enough because it can do so much damage to their life and there are so many wrong voices out there that it can get into your kids heads and, and I'm going to share on the last message in this series um, making right decisions in raising your children and I'm going to share something that day that um, I just feel it's my duty and my call to do it now that I have granddaughters I feel even more so um, some things I got to share that day because I just feel like as a pastor, I'm a voice against a culture that I think is so upside down and crazy. But listen to me, young person. Just listen to me. You're going to face peer pressure everywhere. There's going to be those voices trying to pressure you into decision, wrong decision, and wrong decision. And your insecurities might get the best of you at times because you want to be liked. I want my friends to like me. I don't want to be the oddball. And, and you know, I, I get it. I understand. We all understand that. And that's a tough one. It's a very difficult place to be. So I'm not trying to act like this is so easy. But you got to think about what voice you want to listen to. And what voice really matters. Friends who might be at the time pressuring you down wrong roads sinful roads is that the voice we listen to or will you listen to the voice of God in the word of God Joseph in the Old Testament he's a young man and Potiphar's wife grabs a hold of him and she wants to have sex with him he's a young guy I mean his testosterone it must be flaming man and nobody's in the house and this is the boss's wife and she says, we're going to have sex today. And you know what he tells her, young person? He says, no. 
He says, no, how can I do this thing and sin against God? Because he knew what mattered most was not the voice of the woman who's pressuring him. He knew the voice of God is what mattered more. Amen? You got to be careful what voices you are going to listen to and be led by. Repeat after me. Wrong choices? Listen to wrong voices. Say it again. Wrong choices? Listen to wrong voices. Now, decisions, internal struggles. If you don't know what decision to make, you're, you know, we all know how to use a remote, right? Isn't it great that we can pause live TV? Anybody like that besides me? Do you know when it comes to decision making, you can actually pause your life? Boop, pause it. And go talk to somebody who's not emotionally involved in the decision and ask them, what do they think? Make sure it's somebody who's wise and godly, obviously, and find out what they think. They're not emotionally attached. They're not emotionally involved. They'll tell you the truth. That could save you from so much heartache, so much loss, so many bad decisions. Now, number three, here's our main crux idea. Decisions are today. Stories are tomorrow. Now watch this. 10 through 12. He sent. Now, they, give me... Killed, I want his head on a platter. He sent and had John beheaded in prison. She has him killed. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother? Weird. His disciples came and took away the body and buried it. And they went and reported to Jesus. <clears throat> he does it. He does it. He committed. The peer pressure's there. The circumstances got him. He makes a decision. And we're reading his story 2,000 years later, and it's not a good story. Decisions are today. The stories are tomorrow. Isn't it weird that he eliminated the truth by eliminating the truth teller? It's a weird one to me. Isn't it weird? I'll give you a weird side note. That I just, this is the way my mind thinks. Isn't it weird that he said, I'll give you half my kingdom, and he ends up halving somebody's body? Isn't that weird? Anybody find that weird besides me or interesting? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. Now, his bad decision led to loss. Now, let's go back to our key verse for the series when it comes to decisions. The prudent sees the evil and hides himself. But the naive, those who can get talked into anything, they go on and are punished. Say punished. punished. And are punished for it. You know the word punished means? It means to pay a fine. I think it was two years ago. I forgot to pay my tags to my truck on time. Have anybody ever done that before? Don't you just want to kick yourself? I'm going to give you guys 30, 40, 50 more dollars so you can waste it. I could have wasted it myself. Oh, just that stuff like, little stuff like that, just like, oh, I just, why? How could I have forgotten to pay that thing? So I paid the fine, which means I incurred loss. 
Today's decisions are tomorrow's stories. He incurred loss. Now, let me try to tie this whole thing together here today. <clears throat> okay. Here's what's... And this is... This is this is for this one's for Christians. Christians, just listen right now. If you're a follower of Christ, this one's for you. This is, pertains to you. If you're not, probably doesn't pertain to you. Herod um, violates his conscience by taking his brother's wife. Violates his conscience by lusting sexually after his stepdaughter violates his conscience by killing John the Baptist violates his conscience violates his conscience violates his conscience how many know that the more we violate our conscience the New Testament says it can be seared we can grow so numb that sin doesn't even bother us anymore you ever know that okay so let me back up now so in other words Herod doesn't listen to his conscience, doesn't listen to his conscience, doesn't listen, doesn't listen to John the Baptist who's preaching him. I'm not going to hear what God has to say. I don't want to hear any of it. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And that's what I'm going to do. But listen, Christian. He shuts God out. He shuts God's wisdom out. You flash forward in, this, in the Gospels. You find it in Luke chapter 23. Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate and he's on trial for his life or death. Pilate's trying to get out of it. He wants nothing to do with Jesus. How do I get out of this? How do I avoid having to make the decision of this man's life? Because I know he's innocent. And Jesus was innocent. They just made up all kinds of charges and lied about this and made up that. That's all they did. He hears that Jesus is a Galilean. He's from the Galilee area, up north. Oh, okay. Pilate thinks to himself, ah, he's in Herod Antipas' jurisdiction, the guy we're reading about right now. And Herod is in town, in Jerusalem, that day. So what does he do? He sends Jesus to Herod. Done with him. They bring Jesus to Herod. This Herod that we're reading about. This Herod didn't want to hear anything about what God had to say about his sin. This Herod that shut God out. Jesus stands before Herod. And it says in Luke that Herod wanted to see or wanted Jesus to do a trick for him. Come on, perform for me. Do something. Say something. Come on, man. What does Jesus do? Nothing. Nothing. He doesn't even say anything. He just stands there. So he sends him back to Pilate. But think. Herod didn't listen to God didn't listen to God, John the Baptist preaching, didn't listen to God, didn't listen to God, didn't listen to God, going to make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And then finally, he's standing in front of Jesus, the Word of God. And the Word of God says nothing to him. Silent. 
can we make a bad decision after bad decision after bad decision and forget what it says and forget what it says and forget what it says, forget what it says, forget what it says to the point that in a sense the word of God becomes silent to us that we can read it and read it but eh, it don't mean anything anymore. I can come in here and worship and I'm just like I guess. It becomes so silent to us and it's not God. It's us. It's us. Because we're going to do what we want to do, what we want to do, what we want to do, what we want to do. See, decisions have tomorrows. Bad decisions have pretty bad ramifications. He didn't want to hear the word of God through John the Baptist, so the word of God says, I'm not talking to you anymore. Because you're not going to listen anyway. Isn't that wild? You ever thought that? Herod, what happens to the guy after this? Well, he loses prestige, he loses power, his armies lose to the Arabs, he's banished to Gaul, to France, he just loses, loses, loses. And, you know, that's where he dies in Spain. Bad decisions, bad decisions. And his life ended not so good at all because of bad decisions. Today's decisions are tomorrow's story. It's a question of what story do you want to tell? What do you want your life to be like? Because we're the accumulation of every decision we've ever made. It's true of all of us. Now, the greatest and most important and highest decision we'll ever make in our life is the decision of where will I spend eternity? What's going to happen to me after I die? Well, Jesus already made a way out for us if we so choose to follow it. See, when he went to that cross and he died, and he shed that blood, that blood is the um, catalyst that washes away our sins. All of our sins. And boy, do we need washing every day, don't we? Thank God for the blood of Jesus. But then, his resurrection, that's the ticket to new life. To walk a new life to the power of the Spirit of God in us and to live in an eternity with God forever and ever. Now, I'm not going to pull punches. I'm, just, I'm too old to pull punches with you. Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. Because he was warning people. And you say, well, I don't believe in hell. Well, Jesus did and he created it for the devil and his angels. You could say you all you want, you don't believe it. It don't matter what you, if you, what you say. He said it's real. And I, I tend to believe somebody who rose from the dead and the evidence is in that that tomb was empty historically. So I tend to believe him. Where are you going to spend eternity? That's your biggest decision. Because today's decisions are tomorrow's stories. What's going to happen? So I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you've never ever put your faith in Christ, Today's the day. Make a good decision and follow it. Or if you backslid, quit making a bad decision and come back to Christ. Make a good decision. Let's set our eternity, let's get it intact so we know that we know that we know that we know where we're going after we die. I want you to close your eyes. Those at home, You've heard everything I'm saying. Those of you watching later on this week, later on today, you know exactly, you heard everything I'm saying. It's time to make a decision. If you have never placed your faith in Christ, today's the day. If you do it, and if you need to rededicate your life, today's the day. So if that's the case for you, 
Repeat this prayer, putting your faith in Jesus and Jesus only. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die for me. Give your life in place of mine. Forgive me of my sins, and I know I'm forgiven. Today, I choose to follow you with my entire life for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. Now let me pray, God. Man, I hope people prayed that prayer for the first time or rededicated wherever you're at, whenever you watch this. That's the biggest decision of your life. What are you going to do? But now you've made the decision. And now follow Christ. Follow Him. Follow what He says, not what the culture says. Trust Him, even when it looks like, God, that's a tough way to live. Trust those words that He wrote through men and women. Trust it. And watch what God does. Watch what God does. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving people. And we know that all of heaven rejoices now over people who repent. Come to God. Amen and amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.